So for the past couple of months, we've been in the book of Joshua, and I don't know about you, but the book of Joshua has been very encouraging. It's been very practical in many ways because we know that the book of Joshua points to the Christian life. The book of Joshua is about this journey that the people of God take um, through the promised land. They go into the promised land. They conquer the promised land. They divide up the promised land. And in this journey, we see that they are able to live life as it was meant to be. So this journey of faith, it really points us to the journey that we have with Christ. As we are following our greater Joshua, Jesus, we are able to live life as it was meant to be. And you see that there are a lot of commands that are very practical that we can apply to our own life. Be strong and courageous. Consecrate yourself. Trust and follow my word. Be patient. Be faithful. Be holy, devoted. You have all these commands that are given to the people of God that apply to our lives. But don't miss this. The book of Joshua not only reveals to us how we follow the Lord, but it also reveals the Lord that we follow. Behind every command, behind every order that God gives to his people, we see that there is a God who is just, who is strong, who is mighty, who is patient, who is gracious, who is merciful, who is good and faithful, who keeps all of his promises. And that's the hope that we have in the book of Joshua. It's not that we have all these instructions and now that we know how to live the Christian life. It's the fact that we see that our God is great and mighty and strong and gracious and loving. And he's willing to lead us every step of the way. His presence is with us. His word is for sure. And that's the hope that we have in the book of Joshua. And that's what we want to see in, the chap- in this coming chapter in Joshua 20, where we see that this is an odd chapter uh, if you just glance at it. But if you dive deep into this passage, you recognize that this passage actually, actually reflects the heart of God. It shows us what matters to God. So let's look at this passage, starting from verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say, To the people of Israel, appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. So what's going on? There's a lot of things that are going on in in verse 3 especially. But after Joshua, he divides the land uh, to, and gives the, the land to the tribes of Israel. God says to Joshua, there's one last thing I want you to do as you're setting up the land. I want you to designate six cities in the land that are spread out throughout the land. And you're going to call those cities the cities of refuge. So what are these cities? Now, why is it important? Well, in Numbers 35, God tells his people, as he's giving the law, he says, whenever you kill someone intentionally, out of hate, out of vengeance, out of anger, out of frustration, so you, you, you killed someone with intent premeditatively, you, you, you went and harmed someone, you, you call that murder. And the punishment for murder is death. That's what the Bible says in Numbers 35. But here in verse 3, in Joshua 20, verse 3, we are told that this is a person who's called a manslayer who killed without intent, who killed someone else by accident. There was no anger involved. There was no frustration involved. It wasn't premeditated. It was simply an accident. Just imagine that you're driving on the road 
and, and you all of a sudden um, you, you hit another car by accident. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't that you're driving under influence or anything. You just happen to be, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time, and accidentally the other person dies, right? That, that's the kind of situation we are looking at. Actually, we are given an example in Deuteronomy chapter 19. We are told that um, there are two people, neighbors, they go together to a forest to cut some wood, and both people are holding an axe. They're going at the wood. They're swinging very hard, and one person, their axe head it comes off. It flies to the other person, it hits the other person, and the other person ends up dying. In that case, if it was an accident, the Bible says this person may flee to one of the cities of refuge. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the cities of refuge and the manslayer. That sounds really bad, but, you know, what we're talking about is not murder, it's, it's manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. That's what we're, we're talking about, okay? And then you have this person called the avenger of blood. Now, we're not talking about a Marvel character. We're not talking about Batman or Robin Hood or, if you're old enough, Zorro. Uh, that, uh, this is not a lawless vigilante. Yeah, the people who laugh right there, I can tell that you're my generation. Uh, but this is not a lawless vigilante. This is someone who's actually appointed by the law to bring justice for, to the victim and the family uh, that suffered a loss. When a person was killed, it was... It was required by the law that the family would appoint a person as the avenger of blood. And the avenger of blood, this person had a legal responsibility to go after the killer, to bring justice, to redeem the family. An eye for an eye, a life for a life. And God put the system in place so that no one can easily try to kill another person, right? There will be consequences if you try to take someone else's life. That's the whole idea behind it. But what if you accidentally kill someone, right? That's a different story, and that's where the, refu- the cities of refuge come into place, right? You, you meet uh, the avenger of blood, um, and, 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 and at that moment, there's not much that you can say. Uh, if someone was appointed to be the avenger of blood and they come after the killer and the killer meets the avenger of blood, it's not like they're going to sit down with the killer and ask questions. Okay, so why'd you do it? And they're not going to hear the story. They're going to go after the killer. And so it was a very tense situation, a lot of emotions involved. Right? If you go back to that example in Deuteronomy 19, this family thought that their son was going to get some wood, and they, the son comes back as, as, as a dead body. And, and you can imagine just the frustration and the emotions that, that are going on. And so at that point, the killer, really the manslayer, doesn't have a lot of options. And so what the Bible says is this person at that moment, if that person did not kill the other person intentionally, then the manslayer can flee to the cities of refuge. And we see the specific instructions about the cities of refuge in verse 4, 5, and 6. It says in verse 4, he shall flee to one of these cities, the cities of refuge. So first, the manslayer needs to run. And once he gets to one of these cities, he needs to speak to the elders of the city. He needs to explain his situation. He needs to give an account of his story. And if the elders decide that, okay, there's a lot of truth to this, we don't know exactly if this was intentional or not, then the elders will say, okay, you can come into the city and we'll give you a proper trial. We'll put some time aside to, to 
open up a trial to see if what you're saying is true. And so we see that as long as this person was in the city of refuge, this person was safe. In verse 5, we're told that even if the avenger of blood is coming after the manslayer, if he comes to the city of refuge and he asks for the manslayer, the city is supposed to protect the manslayer and says, no, we can't give you this person because we heard this person's story, so we're going to go through a proper trial. So in a sense, the city of refuge provided protection for the manslayer. So that is what's going on. Now, you might think, okay, that's an interesting story. So why is that relevant to us? Now, you have to understand that this is not the first time that the city of refuge are, are being mentioned in the Bible. God, over and over again, gave instructions to the people of God. He spoke about this through Moses back in Exodus 21. And we see that today in today's passage in verse 2. When God tells Joshua, appoint these cities, he says, do it as so as I spoke to Moses. In Exodus 21, as God is giving the law to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, he includes this idea of the cities of refuge. And we see that this, this idea is, is more, um, it's elaborated in Numbers 35. Again, it's spoken about in Deuteronomy 19. And here again in Joshua 20. So over and over again, God is emphasizing this idea of the cities of, of refuge. And, and he's saying, just in case you forgot, Joshua, I want you to create these cities, appoint the, these cities so that people can run to these cities. So we see that these cities are designed by God. It's God's idea, which means there's an intent behind these cities. It reveals something that's in the heart of God. And that's what I want to highlight in today's passage. Three things that matter to God. Three things that are revealed about the heart of God through the cities of refuge. And I encourage you to write this down. Number one, life matters to God. The cities of refuge, it displays that life matters to God. Notice that in this situation, in this accident, every life matters to God. The life of the, the one who was killed matters to God. That's why God puts this, this, this idea in place, the avenger of blood and, and wanting to bring justice to the family. You see that the reason why he's doing that instead of saying, oh, that's unfortunate. He's, no, no, he's caring about the life that was lost because he cares about the victim, his life. But we also see that the life of the manslayer matters to God, that he wants the manslayer to have a fair trial. If this was in fact unintentional, he doesn't want the manslayer to die because it wasn't necessarily his fault. So God cares about the manslayer's life, but we also see that God cares about the avenger of blood's life. Why? Because if the avenger of blood goes and kills the, the manslayer, and later on the manslayer's family finds out, okay, actually this was an accident. The manslayer didn't intend to kill the other person then what happens is Manslayer's family is going to go after the family of the Avenger of Blood. And, and then you're going to go after the other family, and, and the family is going to go after the other family. So there's this cycle of revenge that, that's going to go around and a lot of killing that's involved. So to prevent that, to prevent life from being destroyed, God says, no, 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 we're going to create a system where people can actually go to these cities to, to preserve life because every life matters to me. That's what God is saying through the, the cities of refuge. In Genesis 9-6, God talks about how life matters to him. He says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And that is a scary statement, but what he's basically saying is this. The life of a person, a human being, is so 
precious to me that the price is so, of, of someone's life is so valuable, it's, it's a life for a life. That's how important life is. Why? For God made man in his own image. We see that God, he sovereignly creates every human being in this planet. Every person who ever lived was created by our Lord God. Psalm 139, it talks about this. He says, it says how the psalmist says to God, you have formed me in my mother's womb. My inner parts were formed. You have knit me together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you see that life matters to God because life belongs to God. And what this means is this. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your gender, the language that you speak, the culture, culture that you associate with. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have received. It doesn't matter where you live or what you do for a living. It doesn't even matter what your religion is. Like a lot of times I think at church we tend to look down on people who, who don't share the Christian faith. But what God says is even people who are outside of the faith, like we show, see, in the New Testament, God cares about the Jews and Gentiles, right? God cares about people. He cares about life. Life matters to God. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. If God is the creator of life and everything belongs to him, that means every life has a purpose. It has meaning. It has value. It is sacred. And that is why when you hear the news about war, that's the war that's going on in Ukraine, it should break your heart. Like, it, it should disturb you. That's, that's not just a documentary or a show that's being played on, on, on YouTube or, or on the news. Those are people who are dying there. And, and it should break our heart. Like, you know, the past week I've been following up with the news and praying uh, um, throughout the week and, and devastated with, with how things are being unfolded. At the same time, there are glimpses of hope, you know, you know different um, Places where the news is covering the people who are going to the borders, not just fleeing, but actually going to the borders. Christians who are going to the borders to provide shelter, to give food, to offer jobs. And as people are interviewing, you know, they're sharing their faith. They're sharing how they've been beloved by God and they want to provide the same for these people, the refugees. And you see that there is hope. But at the same time, you also see that, that you know, we have a responsibility that because we have so many refugees, not just in Europe, but around us. We have people who are, who are struggling to sustain life. And these things should matter to God. People who are starving to death should matter to God, and it should matter, it should matter to us as well. Abortion should matter to us, if this is the case. Because the Bible tells us, that every human being, whether you are in your mother's womb or whether you are living your last days, breathing your last life, it matters to God. Not only that, we are also, we have to be aware that it's not just the baby in the womb, but it's also the mother who's going through a difficult situation. Her life matters as well. I think a lot of times, especially within certain churches, there's a tendency to simply focus on the baby, and which is so, so important. I think there's nothing that you can place with a life. But at the same time, I think you have to also understand we have a responsibility as a society to take care of those who are vulnerable, those who are in a needy place. Life matters to God. And this also means on a personal level, your life matters to God. No matter how 
you think about your life, you might think, you know, your life is, is, is bad compared to other people, that you made a lot of mistakes. Maybe some of you are bitter against God. Why God? Why this family? Why here? Why did this happen in my life? And, and what the Bible is assuring you today is that although you might think your life that highly of, your life matters to God. Every life matters to God, and it should matter to us. The second thing that the city of refugees reveal is this. Justice matters to God. God cares about what is right and what is wrong. The city of refuge, it preserved life, but at the same time, it, it was a place of justice, right? Because uh, by preserving life, what the city was giving uh, the man was a fair opportunity to be judged, not based on his actions, but based on his intentions, right? It, it, was, it was a fair way to treat a person. And after the trial, by the way, if this person was found guilty based on the evidence, then this person was handed over to the, man, to, the, to, to the avenger of blood to be executed. And so you see that there was this, 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 just, um, this justice that was taking place within the city. And we, we see that um, God, when he's dealing with this, this delicate situation, he is so patient. You know, a lot of us we jump to conclusions. We see some, some news on, on, on the media. Or we see some opinion on social media, and we form an opinion. We say, this is right, this is wrong. But notice how, how patient God is. He doesn't judge people based on their actions. He says, let me look at their intentions. Let's see what's really true about this situation. And he is so patient. And he judges people based on what is really true. And I think we should have the same heart Sometimes people treat you unfairly. Sometimes you are harmed by other people. And the natural reaction is to, for you to reta re retaliate right away with emotions, with, with a burning heart. What the Bible is telling us today is don't just judge someone by their actions. Be patient and try to look into their intentions. Maybe at that moment, instead of a middle finger, instead of some harsh words, what that person really needs is just someone to know what's going on in their life. And so you see that God cares about justice. He is so patient, unlike us that we are, who are quick to judge. God, he cares about justice, and he practices justice based on what is true. So God cares about justice. Justice matters to God. The third thing that matters to God is this, restoration. Restoration matters to God. Healing matters to God. We see in verse 6, after the trial, even if this person was found innocent as far as, you know, not having responsibility of killing the other person intentionally, we see that the manslayer was, was supposed to stay within the city of refuge until the high priest died. Now, this is an int interesting statement because this could have been a matter of days. It could have been a matter of decades. It could have been five days that, that the manslayer stayed in the city. It could have been 50 years that this manslayer stayed in the city. It just all depends on when the high priest died. And you might ask, well, why is that? Well, the high priest was a symbolic person. He was a mediator between God and man. He was the one who carried out all the sacrifices, right, who made um, this plea uh, on behalf of God's people, giving uh, uh, sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. And so he was this uh, figure who, who, who was a symbol of forgiveness. 
So in one sense, because of what this person represents, people were granted freedom when the high priest died. But why? Why for some people five days and for some people 50 days? And you might think, man, that, it could be a, lot, a long waiting until a high priest dies. Well, just imagine that you are a manslayer that you killed someone by accident. And this actually happens, right? Especially if you're a teenage driver. Sometimes, like, you know, you're, you're not the best driver. And maybe it was a rainy day. And there's a car right next to you that happened to slip. Runs into you. Your mom and dad did a great job buying you a safe car. And so all the airbags go off, and you are safe, but the other person ends up dying. You're not going to walk away from that situation and say, well, no, I feel good about myself that I lived. No, a, a life was lost. You're going to be traumatized, right? Something in you is going gonna, is gonna to say, like, this is not right. You're broken. Maybe you might feel ashamed, guilt. Could have done anything differently. You might have mad at yourself. Maybe you, you're at that moment mad at God, saying, why me? Why at this moment? Because of this moment, my life is completely changed the manslayer, because of this one accidental moment, his life was never the same. He left his family, his, his, he left his home, and he had to run, flee. And you might think, man, that is harsh. That stinks. But notice where he runs to. Because in the Bible today, it tells us in, in verse 7 and 8, there are six cities of refuge. And later we see that these cities of refuge were cities that were appointed by God. And the cities that were appointed originally belonged to the Levites. So what God is doing is there are 48 cities that belong to the Levites. The rest of the cities belong to everyone else. Out of all the cities that he could have chosen, he chooses the cities of Levites. Now, God could have placed the manslayer on a deserted island and let him kind of wait for a little bit. He could have put the manslayer into prison and, and surround the, the person with, with guards. But instead... God decides to do is put the manslayer in a city that is full of Levites. And if you know what the Levites do, they serve in the temple. They are worship leaders. They write the songs. They, 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 they clean the temple. They carry the stuff. So these are people who are worshiping God. And so you are in a place that is full of worshipers, that, that, are filled, that, that is filled with people that, that can speak truth to you, that can, that can heal you, that can lead you and guide you. And it could be five days, it could be 50 years, but what's happening during that time is you can imagine how the manslayer is, is experiencing restoration and healing. All the words that, that he's he, that's he, hearing, all, all, all the songs that he, he's singing, it's bringing healing to his soul. So after a certain amount of time, he's able to go back and live a normal life. That he's no longer caught in the past, but he is fully healed and restored. And now he can live a new life. So you see how the city of refuge is, is this incredible place of, of grace and healing for a person who is so broken. And why is this important for us? Now, we no longer in the New Testament have a place that is called the city of refuge. But we have a person who represents everything about the cities of refuge. Did you know in the book of Psalms that reveal the heart of God, 47 times it says, the Lord is my refuge. 
the Lord is my refuge. Why does, why does God repeat that so often in the book of Psalms? Well, because he knows that people are not perfect, that there's going to be a point in our life where we're going to be wanting to run because of sin, because of the mistakes that we make, because of the brokenness in our life, because of the shame and the guilt that we have. Uh, we're going to want to run. And what God is doing in the book of Psalms is this. When you run, remember that you have a place where you can go, that you can find healing and restoration and protection from your enemies. And that place is the cities of refuge. For us, living in the New Testament, that is the person of Jesus Christ. I told you that the cities of refuge were strategically located so that anyone who was living in the land of Israel in one day could go to the cities of refuge. It was spread out. Not only that, we see in verse 9 that it's not just for the Israelites, but for the sojourners, the foreigners who were living among the, the, the Israelites, they could have, they had access to the cities of refuge as well. So this provision of healing and restoration, this provision of protection was open to everyone, all lives. And in the same way, the New Testament tells us is this, you have a way to live in your sin, in your brokenness, in your mistakes, you have a place that you can run to. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. When you run to him, and by the way, everyone has access to Jesus. Jesus welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. The Bible tells us that, that there is one way that, that grants us freedom, that grants us healing, that grants us salvation, and that is the way that leads us to Jesus Christ. Jesus is our city of refuge. The reason why we don't have a physical city right now is because we have a person who we can go to at any point in our lives. Now, the Old Testament cities of refuge, they only covered unintentional sin. The New Testament person of, of, of refuge, Jesus Christ, he's willing to cover all sins. Now, you might say, well, I never killed anyone. Well, in one sense, that's true. Another sense is that the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And all have denied Jesus, denied God, and all have lived in disobedience to God. And what that means is every single one of us, at some point in our life, we have denied God and killed God in our hearts. That we are the manslayer. No, not the manslayer. We are the Godslayer. And we live life trying to run, trying to hide from all the baggage that we have. And, and God sent his one and only son, and he dies on the cross. And when we look at Jesus and when we run to the cross, by the way, the cross is the perfect place where life is preserved and justice is displayed, right? Just like the cities of refuge. And when we run to the cross, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, God is saying, you are welcomed. Not only am I going to forgive you and protect you, but I'm going to heal you and restore you so that you can live life as it was meant to be. It was open to everyone. God doesn't just care about your physical protection. He cares about your spiritual, emotional, mental well-being. That is good news, that we have a God who cares about all our needs, that cares about not just our physical life, but every aspect of our life. But Another way that we can apply this truth is this. Not only do we run to Jesus 
when we are broken, when we need help, but we lead other people to Jesus, knowing that every single person in this world is broken and lost and fleeing from, from God's wrath. We see that, and so we share the good news. We talk about the hope that we have and in, in, in refuge that we have in Jesus Christ, and we lead others to this place so that they can experience the healing and the protection that we have experienced. And how do we do that? How can we lead others to Christ? Well, one way is to talk about the gospel and what Christ has done in our lives. But at the same time, another way we can do that is by demonstrating what God cares um, in, in, in our life. You no, know, if Jesus, if he cares about life, if he cares about justice, if he cares about healing and restoration, and if we are the body of Christ, meaning that we are an extension of Jesus Christ, that means that we should care about those things as well. And as we are caring about the all the slaves that are still existing, the 4 million slaves, the 2 million, 20 million refugees that exist in this world, the 1.5 billion people who are starving at this very moment, the 3 billion people who have never heard the gospel, never heard the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about people who don't believe in Jesus. They have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Those people don't have a place to run. And they're running for their lives because someone is coming after them. And you have a message that can transform their lives. You have the ability to point people to Jesus, who is the ultimate refuge. And so we have this responsibility as a church. And so if we are forgiven and restored by the grace of God, now let's point people to the ultimate city of refuge, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray.